Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. This is a Patreon preview, if you're listening to this on the main feed, as this show has decided, well, me specifically, to cover Doom Patrol, the HBO Max DC series. Now, of course, if you're a new listener, uh, patreon.com backslash Pod to get all of our bonus content, to be a part of the Discord, we have four Spider-Man episodes up. The first uh, three, the trilogy of Tobey Maguire, plus the first Andrew Garfield one. We still have the Amazing Spider-Man 2 to get into at some point. So if you want to check that out, and we've done a bunch of bonus episodes on other things, and obviously the Discord is a big part of this. And and if you want to be a part of the, the crew, a part of the family, hey, come on board. But um, nonetheless... I do have a couple of guests with me. One of them will be joining us a little bit later. Um, I have Dalbin Osorio, my buddy, my pal from Murphy's Multiverse with me right now. Dalbin, how are you, sir? I'm good, brother. You know, and I, you, we, we've stepped into the Marvel universe, right? And I've been fortunate that you brought me on into that, but now I'm really excited to really talk about the trippiest, you know, of the shows that, that that's out right now, uh, you know, and Doom Patrol. And, and when you, when you sent me the invitation, I said, yes, I get to get to nerd out over some really weird stuff with my, with, with my brother. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think I want to start here. I have said on a bunch of occasions on social that I think that this is the best comic book TV show out there. And I wanted to start with this because I think it's important to kind of understand the people who normally listen to this show, listen to Marvel and may not really know Doom Patrol and exactly what it entails. But I feel like the best way to describe it is not only it's weird, but I think there is a sense of psychology. There's a sense of heart. And it's about basically misfit toys trying to find their way. And that's really what I enjoy about it is the combination of of being broken and trying to figure out who you are and and things of that nature. And obviously you have the characters, you have Victor Stone, you have Rita Farr, you have Larry Trainer, you have Cliff Steele, Robot Man and crazy jane with all 100 plus personalities that she has and obviously the chief niles calder which we'll discuss in a little bit more detail later uh for you dal bean as far as this show is concerned where did not only where do you rank it for you personally but what about the show you love yeah yeah so i think so Two things that I love of just the comic book TV era that we're in is that I think TV has given us a medium to really dive into these shows in a very, very different way than I think movies do, right? Um, I love movies. I love, you know, comic book movies in themselves. But I think, you know, from The Flash to The Arrowverse to, you know, to to Supergirl to Stargirl, like, you know, and you had a really kick-ass article this week about Stargirl in particular. And I think Stargirl Thank is one you, of sir. the better, yeah. And I think Stargirl is one of the better TV shows. But Doom Patrol, I think what Doom Patrol does well that I think a lot of these shows struggle with initially is how far do you embrace the source material? And Doom Patrol doesn't care. They are going to embrace every weird thing about it, right? You know, and season two ended on on this, you know, cliffhanger, if you will, right? Uh, the villain wins, right? Yes. And that doesn't happen often. It took The Flash five years before the villain actually won. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, him fighting Savitar and Godspeed and like all these things. And Barry always kind of came out on top until he was until Iris was stuck in the mirror dimension, right? And then it was like, oh, damn, you know, you really didn't win yeah. this. You know, one of the 
reasons why I think Spider-Man 2 holds up so well as a, as a comic book movie is that realistically, even though Doc Ock was at the bottom of the Hudson, like he won, right? You know, and you guys talked about this when, when you did your rewatch, he won, Doc Ock won, like Peter and Mary Jane were broken. Peter was in a really, really bad place at that point, right? And you kind of saw him spiral in Spider-Man 3. So Doom Patrol, I think is, if it's not the best comic show, it's no worse than two, right? Yeah. I think that what it does well is it embraces the source material. It also reinvents the source material. One of the worries always with comic shows is that, are you going to stick too close to the source material, mm-hmm. right? It's like, are you going to just be essentially a, a beat by beat telling of the comics? And that's not what this is at all, right? Like, I think they've done a really, really good job of tapping into the weirdness of these characters. And I got to say, shout out to my man, Brandon Frazier, who has been blackballed from Hollywood for so damn long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and when he was cast in this, I was like, finally, because this was a guy, right, who again had done The Mummy, right? Like, you know, it looked like he was on the verge of really becoming, you know, this big Hollywood star. And then it just didn't happen, right? And so I love the fact that he's back in this. I hope that this allows him to, I hope that this allows to be tapped into with different things but honestly no less than two in terms of the top two shows because i think i think it's better than the marvel shows except except for loki because i think loki is probably some of the best television i've seen right um, but doom Patrol, if if it's not better than loki it's right beneath it right because and i think it's also and we'll dive into the first three episodes of of of, of the season premiere right but again like you end with some with again i didn't expect the villain to win and then you come back and very seldom do we get these like okay the first episode of season three was right after like right after the the end of season two sometimes you get these time jumps like six months down the line a year down the line and we don't really see what happened to these characters we got to deal with the fallout right away and i think they they understand these characters and they love these characters and the writers have done a really really good job of knocking it out of the park so no less than number two for me what about you because you say it's the best you have yeah, right- the reason why i say it's the best is because it's unapologetically itself it, it, there's there's a part of the way that they story tell to me that they're just so honest about all of these subjects and they attack things in a way that no other show does. I mean, when you talk about negative man and Larry Trainer being gay and how that whole, that whole story has played out over the first two seasons, um, Jane, one of her personalities being sexually abused. Like this is stuff that we're not seeing elsewhere um, in comic book television. Um, even Cliff Steele, when we talk about everything that happened to him and the relationship with his father, the him trying to reacclimate himself to his daughter now and and his grandson, like all of that. And uh, Rita, too, Rita's relationship with her mom, which has a lot of issues in it as well. The things that her mom was doing in order to get by, like that's a lot. Victor, the Victor Stone and what happened to him, how he became cyborg and the issues with his mom within the issues with his father, like all of those things and the way that it's depthly handled. And then particularly Niles, um, his scenario being this really in a lot of ways, giving them, giving them their lives in a different type of way, which they all resent him for. And I feel like that's a great way to jump off into these um, these episodes. But before I do that, I do have one question of you. Um, in the first two seasons, what was your favorite moment in the show? 
you're gonna you're gonna but honestly the end of season two man like the ending of season two was by far because again like i being familiar with these stories as you mm-hmm. and i are right? being familiar in these stories from comics right like you know you mentioned victor stone right like cyborg and it's it's so fascinating because cyborg's relationship with his dad is what gets a lot of the attention right yeah but his relationship with his mom in the comics is brutal it is just absolutely brutal. It's not, it's not, you know, like he, he feels like he has to step in as the man of the house because his dad is really never there, but then like presents <laughs> his mom for that. And it's very relatable. But again, I go into these shows thinking they're, they're, they're going to get out of this. Okay. It's right. going to be, they're going to get it. But, but the, they stuck the landing at the end of season two, man. And like, I think very, very strange. Like when, even when you come, I mean, I'm going to go back to comparing it to the flash, which is one of my favorite TV shows for, for comics. Right. The Flash has had some really, really good villains, right? You know, yeah. Reverse Flash, all that. They have some really, really bad villains. I do not think Doom Patrol, and again, you know, we just, we're only three episodes in season three, but you got Madame Rogue, you got, you know, they, like, you, they have captured the nuance of these villains too in a way that makes me root for them, right? right. So even at the end of season two, I was like, oh, they really did make it. So the villain one, okay, that's good. So that to me is the part that stands out because I think it speaks to how layered this show is that you could even make the argument, bro, that some of the heroes are villains. And I think, and I, so in turn- Yeah, in their own to, way. Yeah, right. So when you get to the end and the and the quote unquote villain wins, right? You're like, well, did the villain win? Or is he is he another one of the heroes too? And so I think I think that for me, I think is is dope writing. And I think that symbolizes just how deep this show is. So for me, it was the ending of season two. I thought they nailed it. What about now, you? Now the funny, you know, the funny part that you mentioned that is the, the fact that that was- not intended to be the last episode of season two right right that was actually supposed to be the penultimate episode and obviously the the pandemic had an impact on that but i actually think that it was in a better in a, in a way it was better that it ended that way because it, it it made a lot of people think and i think fans of the show were really just interested in seeing how the story continued um i gotta say like in terms of my favorite moment of the show I will be taking us all the way back to, I think it was the second to last episode of season one when your man Flex Montello did that thing with the stretchy stretchy and and everybody and their mama had an orgasm. Find it on YouTube. Think about that. Think about, think about how one of the greatest moments in television ever, (laughs) ever, ever. I could not stop laughing when that happened. That was just so amazing. And it told me then, like, you could have the goat farting and opening up a a parallel dimension. But this, you could have the, you could have the asses that eat people. Yes. But yo, (laughs) okay. Well, this. and, and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, right, so, like, I remember, so, like, and this show has a lot of, like, actors that I've seen in, like, different things, actors and actresses, right? So, like, Abigail Monterey is one that I've seen in, like, bits and pieces, right? But I think she crushed it as Dorothy Spinner, right? I think she did an amazing job. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. But, but you're, you're absolutely, like, think about how absurd that is, right? Like, in a, in a show where you're talking about, like, a, a, a superhero coming to grips with the fact that their mom, you know, had to, you know, potentially whore themselves out, right, in order to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, my man Flex is like, yeah, I'm just gonna get all these people off on this street in the middle. You know, it's a, just amazing. Just you can't do, do any better than that, man. Like for real, for real. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, let let's jump right into the for these first three episodes: Possibilities Patrol, Vacate Patrol, and Dead Patrol. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me from these first three, generally speaking, was 
all of the characters dealing with the eventual death of Niles Calder and mm-hmm. how there is a bitterness towards him. There's a there's an anger and a hatred towards him. But at the same time, there's also, I, you know, there is some type of feeling towards him because of what, as evil as it was and how heinous as it was, how he brought them all back to life. So there's just a very, there's a nuanced angle that all of the characters have to deal with. Uh, what were your thoughts in, in how that scenario played out? I think it's the loss of the chief, right? I, You feel it, man. You feel it. You feel it a little bit, right? Because I think, again, like they've written these characters so well that even, and again, even though I found myself rooting for, you know, for the candle maker, even though I found myself rooting for him, <laughs> I think that I think that this is a team that is built on trauma, man. Like that's what it's built on, right? So they can't even celebrate the fact that they that they handle business right in episode one, right? They can't even celebrate that because they have to go right into morning. And so I think it's it, it speaks to, and again, I said this in the intro, it speaks to how well the writers get these characters. I think to your point, right? Because you said that the, the end of season two wasn't supposed to be the final episode. So this, see, episode one of season three was supposed to be the conclusion of season two, right? Yeah. And, but I, I, I got to tell you, man, I love... I COVID has wrecked a lot of things, right? It's wrecked a lot of things on the movie and TV front. For sure. But I think what it's given a lot of people, a lot of creatives, the opportunity to do is revamp the the way that they do, the way that they tell these stories. Um, and this was a show that I don't think ever shied away from trauma and, you know, and, and really bad things happening to our heroes, right? Like in, in a way, like when you look at WandaVision, like I think WandaVision too, I think there's something to be said for Vision's line about like, you know, what's what's love if not, you know, what's grief if not love persevering, right? Right. Doom Patrol, if anything, that could be the title of the entire show so far, right? And where Titans, I think, misses the mark a little bit, mm-hmm. right? is in its use of trauma as a crutch. Doom Patrol doesn't do that, right? Like in Titans, I'm supposed to feel bad, right? Because, you know, Batman took some of these kids under the under his wing and they got beat up a little bit and now they don't like it and, you know, and all this <laughs> stuff, right? But also, like, I also know that in the comics, Robin is 14 years old when he gets taken under Batman's wing. So the comics write it in a way that would make me feel a little bad. Titans doesn't really write it like that. Well, it's also fleeting. I think that's the, right, the one thing right, about Titans. Right. Like Whereas Doom Patrol, it's not. It's yeah. not. <laughs> It just goes, it tightens, it goes so quickly that you don't even get a chance to sit with the characters. This episode is spent, and these first three are spent in a lot of ways sitting with the characters and everything that they went through. Yeah. And think, and think about, think about Larry who actually wished that the chief would die. Right. Yeah. Like, think, think about that. Right. Like, like again, I, and I'm drawing parallels to other properties because I think it's important to highlight how well Doom Patrol has done this. Right. In Spider-Man three, right. The, the original Raimi verse, uh, Franco wants Peter dead. Right. Like, like he does, he, he wants Peter dead for killing his father. Right. And all that, but it's played up in a way that's like, Oh, he's a villain for wanting that. Whereas with with Larry, we get to sit with that. We get to sit with that pain, right? Of like, yo, I wanted him dead and now he is dead, right? What does that mean for me as a character? And we get to grow with it. So I I love the word you use, fleeting, because I agree. I think with Titans, the the stakes don't seem to matter, 
they don't seem to matter, right? Well, like no, it, because they're burning through plots so quickly that... So quick, so quick. Whereas with Doom Patrol, we got to sit with it. And yes. I think there's something powerful in sitting in that. The same thing, I think that's what Loki got right, right? Like, Loki gets it right because after Sylvie stabs my man Kang, Loki's yeah. like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. we messed up. And I think Doom Patrol has that in space, but Doom Patrol has had that from, from the first season. I think with some of the other shows, it's taken them a while to find that footing, and some of them just have it, right? Like, I think The Flash had it and then kind of fell back a little bit. Doom yeah. Patrol from yeah. episode one has crafted these characters and this corner of the DC universe, right? Has crafted it in a way that's believable and that you genuinely feel for these people. So when something happens to them, you're like, oh, okay. You know, like, it's okay, that Larry, that you <laughs> wanted him dead. It's, I understand why you wanted the chief death. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I guess I should ask for you, what was the highlight of these first three? Um, the, you know, in a, in a, at the, by the end of the third, by the third episode, they're dead for a little bit. They're in purgatory. Yeah. So which is, that yeah. was an interesting story to visit. And they got to all visit uh, parts of their past. So I thought that yeah. was very interesting. How about you? What, what, did you? what were your highlights of the first three? So I enjoyed Vacate Patrol, the second episode, right? Because I, I, I think the first episode was really tying up a bunch of loose ends. Because again, yeah. like I, and I also admittedly did not know that the, that the ending of season two was supposed to be the penultimate episode. So now knowing that, it frames it a little differently for me, right? Um, but I think it's, so now knowing that, I'm like, okay, well, episode three, season one is really the end of season two. So really, Vacate Patrol episode two is the first episode of season three, right? So I think it being it being lovingly weird, right? Like one of the things, and we talked about this for Suicide Squad for the for James Gunn's version, yeah. it was weird. And James Gunn was good with being weird. <laughs> Doom Patrol does that, man. And again, I don't mean to compare it to like so many of the things that's come up, but I think it I think it needs to, because I think it's because of how much it has embraced the weirdness, it is different than a lot of the properties out there, right? So you have, you introduce Gargo, who in the comics, is just again a a super weird character to introduce just a super weird character and i don't think that could ever work well i'm not gonna say i don't think it could ever work with the right director i think any character can work but i couldn't imagine dc taking that chance in 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 the movies to introduce a weird character like Mm -hmm. that i couldn't imagine that like back to your point about flex you know causing the orgasms right i couldn't imagine (laughs) yeah in a Superman movie, we're gonna have this guy that's that's just out there, you know, giving orgasms oh, like he's Beatles, right. Um, so I so I think there's I I for me the second episode I I loved the third episode, but I thought the second episode and especially now with that new concept that you gave me, I think knowing the aftermath of the trauma, trying to see where these characters are going, right. Um, you mentioned the sixty four personalities, right? Like I think that's I think the fact that we haven't met all of them yet. I think that's exciting for me too, because we're meeting like, you know, and as a social worker, it's mind boggling, but we're meeting her personalities in these different like ways, right? Like we're meeting them, we're we're meeting her when she's, we're meeting a couple when she's feeling good, right? When she feels like, oh, you know, I'm part of this team and we're saving the world. And then you're meeting some post-trauma where it's like, yo, listen, like you messed up, like this is partly your fault. And I think that's an I, to tie it all, and I think that's the best part so far of the first three episodes, is that they're not shying away from the guilt that all of them feel at different levels, right? So like I mentioned Larry, Larry wanted him dead. Larry feels guilty now because like, shit, he is dead, right? But Larry's also like part of him, like, and they kind of tease it a little bit. He's kind of happy, like, oh, well, no, the fucker's dead. Like, yeah. all right, <laughs> like, he's dead. And that's something, again, that Marvel, I, like, for example, can you imagine if Marvel had Tony Stark say, man, I'm really glad Cap is on the run. 
Like, good, man. I'm glad he's on the run. Couldn't It would never happen, right? Like, or, or, you know, Thor saying, oh, you brought that kid to space. That's why he's dead. Like, you, like that would never happen. And that I think I think Doom Patrol is very real. Like, we've all been in family arguments where people cut a little deep. Doom Patrol feels like a family argument turned up to 10 yeah. all the time. Yeah, I thought episode two really highlighted that when Jane was uh, talking to Victor and trying to tell him to chill out as far as the as, as far as the uh, scenario goes with Niles and just trying to push in and move on. Uh, I thought that argument was really, really well done. And I even thought the healing from that argument when they did the dance scene was really cool too. Uh, I, I really just love this show uh, generally. Uh, before I let you go and before we bring John in, um, just the last thing I, I hit you on. So in terms of the brother, Brotherhood of Evil, that they're starting to bring into this show now. What are you expecting from the brain and, and all of the characters there? Um, the Obviously the inclusion of Madame Rouge, that, yeah. that's gonna be interesting going forward. What about all of that are you looking forward to? So in the comics for folks that don't know, like the Brotherhood of Evil has had like just, it's not the same roster all the time, but what they are known for is that they did defeat the Doom Patrol, right? So again, when we're talking about bad guys winning, the Brotherhood of Evil wins. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, no matter their ever-changing roster, they win. And I, this is a team, again, and we talked about this a lot, this is a team that has been put through the ringer already, right? They've been put through the ringer. And now you start to introduce elements of the team that took them to the ringer in the comics, right? Right. I, and and so I so you can tell that they're setting it up where it's not going to be an easy ride for, for our, for our characters. Right. It's not going to be easy. I think, I think you're setting it up. So that way they get washed. The other thing in, in episode three, right. We get almost a backdoor pilot to the dead boy detective agency. Right. Yeah. That's right. Be interesting. And, that, and that I thought was really, really cool because again, like I have always loved how the Arrowverse does these backdoor pilots, right? Like you introduce Barry Allen and arrow in, in flash, you introduce super like, so I've always loved how that's worked, but the dead boy detective agency is mm -hmm. like one of the coolest things in comics, right? Like it just is right. And Neil Gaiman is my guy. <laughs> he is my guy, Right. So, so when, when I, so I had read before season three premiered, I had read that they were going to, that they were, that the show was in development and they were like, Oh, you know, it'll be introduced in the back door probably season three. And again, I was like, man, I was like, this girl really, really good or really, really bad. And I, I liked the way that they, that they subtly introduced that. Right. Um, yeah. But Back to your point about the Brotherhood of Evil, the Brotherhood of Evil has beaten Doom Patrol before. And so I think we need to prepare ourselves for the fact that our people, like our favorite characters, there's a really good chance a few of them more don't make it. Like it's not just going to be the chief that dies. I think we need to be prepared for that because the Brotherhood the Brotherhood of Evil has done this before. But I loved how they introduced them. I, I, I think that these subtle hints of a wider universe are done really, really cool. And I think the reason, the, the way they work is, they're done in a way that tells you like, yes, this takes place in this DC universe, you know, Superman and like all, all these people, but it's not heavy handed, right? It's not this notion of like, well, we need to back to, we need to mention Batman every third episode because we need you, right? <laughs> Again, like Titans. Yeah. <laughs> like Titans. I, 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 think, I think Doom Patrol does not use the source material as a crutch. Whereas I think a lot of the other shows have a tendency to do that. Like Arrow did really, really well at not doing that because again, Ra's al Ghul is really a Batman villain and like yeah. all that stuff. And they kind of reinvented a few things, but 
at towards the end, it was like, all right, man, Oliver Queen needs to die. Like we need to move on from this. With Doom Patrol, I again the little breadcrumbs that they give us are enough because I think it's part of, in service of a bigger story, not in not to the detriment of. So I'm excited, man. And honestly, like once we get through the season, please have me back on because I have some theories, right? I have, you know, you know, I go down these rabbit holes, brother. I have some theories as to as to who I think doesn't make it out, right? Um, and I'm curious to see if I'm right. I'm curious to see if I'm right. <laughs> It'll be interesting going forward for sure. And we, we will be talking to Dalbean about this show along the way. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to bring John in in a second. Another Murphy's Multiverse uh, compadre. Uh, Dalbean, thank you so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Hi. This is the end of our preview of our Patreon episode covering the first three episodes of the third season of Doom Patrol. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, as well as the rest of our coverage of this season going forward, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod.